Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello, welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Well, the National Hockey League season will come to an end tonight. Joey, game number seven in Boston between the Blues and the Bruins. Of course, the American Hockey League came to its end just the other day with the Charlotte Checkers claiming their first Calder Cup championship in their history. They were the best team in the regular season. They proved they were the best team in the postseason as well as they took down the Chicago Wolves in four games. So congratulations to Charlotte. We'll be out there on Sunday night. We'll arrive in Charlotte uh, with league meetings uh, kicking off early next week. So we'll be around for all the festivities Mm -hmm. and kind of see what it's like to be kind of around a celebration they're gonna um, have, have a post kind of uh, season party if they didn't already have it at Bojangles um, to celebrate the championship and, and I'm sure we'll see a lot more uh, festivities going on while we're down there but um, Charlotte dominating team during the regular season and they just carried that all the way through the playoffs yeah this will be uh, the second second time I've been to the league meetings where it's we're going to a city just after they won a championship. So we're going to Charlotte this time around. A couple of years ago, we were in Pittsburgh the year that they beat the Sharks. So uh, that kind of stinks. But uh, I'm looking to crash a Calder Cup party. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep my eyes and ears peeled, and I'm going to try to you know have a good time. But, yeah, Charlotte, dominant all year long. Really, they were the, the best team to start the season. Kind of carried it throughout. Nobody really – challenged them even in the postseason nobody really gave them a hard time granted they lost game one uh in the series against Chicago but ended up rattling off you know four straight and just dominating really from start to finish and it's all aspects of the game their penalty kill was phenomenal all year long I mean in the regular season they were the best penalty kill team at 86 almost 87 percent they dominated in the playoffs with four goals per game letting up just over two per game so Nobody really challenged them. They didn't really have a tough time except for maybe their first-round series against Providence where they, for the first couple games, maybe looked like they were going to be back on their heels. But then they just turned it on and, and really never looked back. And, of course, North Carolina, I mean, they've celebrated a Stanley Cup championship before with the Carolina Hurricanes. But it's such a unique region in terms of the game and the way they're continuing to try to grow. They've won a Stanley Cup there, but still there was a lot of question marks. Are the Carolina Hurricanes going to move for all those years? I mean, if they continue to play like they did this past year, making Mm -hmm. all the way to the conference finals, I don't think that's going to be an issue. They were packing that building. But you go to the Queen City in Charlotte, that's another part of that region um, that's continuing to learn the game. There's, you know, as long as it's been out there now at this point, there's still, I think, some, you know, novice fans out there that are still not quite uh, understanding. So I think it's big, big for the league because you've got a traditional team in Chicago. It seems like they're always in the mix year in and year out. And then a Charlotte team that, um, you know, wasn't necessarily a, a team that you look to to kind of compete for a championship. But uh, tip your cap to the Carolina Hurricanes organization and what they were able to do at the NHL level and then the depth from a development standpoint that, you know, they've really kind of turned the tide uh, in that state, and uh, you know they capture a championship. Yeah, and they've they've they're getting great support down in Charlotte too. I mean, the fans absolutely love the hockey down there. So, uh, from a uh, you know an audience standpoint, they're 
they're not slacking there at all. But like you said, the, the organization this year was phenomenal. Obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes were in the conference finals. You had the Charlotte Checkers win the Calder Cup in the AHL, and their ECHL affiliate was in the conference finals as well, if I'm not mistaken. So um, top to bottom, they that's really, I think, what they're, you know, they kind of they pride themselves on. Uh, I saw a stat that's five out of their ten highest scorers throughout the season uh, were drafted over the last three years in the first three rounds of the draft. So very, very much so taking that draft and develop model and, and making the most of it. I mean, they, I got all kinds of notes here on the, on the series, but um, that's kind of one that, that really stood out was that they're getting guys early in the draft and they're really letting them marinate, not rushing them to the NHL, letting them kind of find their groove and, and hone their craft before they ultimately help out the Hurricanes. And that's a great point because you look at it the way things are structured nowadays and it's such a young game at the NHL level but even more so at the American League level and, and in order to win it's not just about having a veteran laden group it's about having a lot of young talented players now you need a couple vets in there too I think we've seen that uh, you know we see that every year you need a couple vets to kind of mm -hmm. settle the ship make sure it's going in the right direction but your bread and butter is the youth and the, and the talent and certainly we saw that um, in Charlotte and you see it year in and year out Syracuse, a team that's always seems like they're competing to get at least to the finals. They made it a couple years in a row. And look at all the talent they've produced in Tampa, yeah. right? Um, you look even at a Cleveland Monsters team a few years ago. Now all those guys have matured. They're in the NHL. Columbus, look at you know what they were able to do this year, winning their first series. So there's no doubt the correlation, the success of the American League level. You could say the same level. thing for Boston, too. A lot of these guys in Boston spend time in Providence. Yep, 100%. So. You look at the finals. I mean, these, these rosters are laden with players that are either in the American League over the last couple of years or even – you know, who are in the American League this year as a, a player coming up and down. So mm -hmm. there's no doubt success in the American Hockey League transfers to success at the NHL level. And certainly I'm sure they're quite excited uh, in Carolina on, on what they're able to accomplish and what the future kind of holds for that group. Yeah. I mean, to, so to wrap, out this, wrap up this Calder Cup series, I mean, they go into game four. Uh, Charlotte was down three to one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with like 20 minutes left in the game. They end up scoring four unanswered goals. They went 5-3. Um, Oscar Dance got, that was his third, third straight loss. And it was the first time all year he had lost three straight games. So that's a pretty, pretty big uh, stat to go against you if you're Chicago. Uh, Dustin Tokarski got the start in that game because it's for the second time in the Calder Cup Finals because of the, the whole back-to-back -back situation, similar to what we saw all year with uh, Antoine Bebo and Joseph Coronash usually give the a guy a night off. They're playing it back-to-back. -back. Um, but the big thing from this game four, and I, I think you had brought up to me, uh, Stefan Mateau played with a lacerated kidney, had to go to the hospital after. It's a warrior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see it in the playoffs all the time. I but mean, that's, I mean, it's incredible. It's, that's crazy. Well, it's, we're not, we're not going to go down the road, but you look at the NBA finals, and, and I forget the point guard or one of the backup point guards for, for Toronto. He took a pretty solid elbow to uh, yeah. just under the eye. Completely split. Media asked him, do you feel like a Canadian after having that? Because he also chipped his tooth. He says, if this is what it takes to be a Canadian, I don't want to be one. But it just shows the type of toughness that hockey is just on its own yeah. level. It's in its, its own world. Its own I mean, we're not talking realm. like a, uh, a cut on your face. I mean, yeah. This guy, he cut an organ. Yeah, like that's crazy. incredible. And, you know, these it's and these to play through it, you don't hear that very often where guys have an injury like that that you yeah. hear about. I think the last time I've ever heard of anything like this was when uh, 
couple of years back in the Stanley Cup Finals, Patrice Bergeron played with a punctured lung. Yes, that's, that's who the I was only thinking, other yeah. time, like organ, like serious organ-related thing that I can think of in like a, a major moment. Like, yeah, that. that's crazy. And you know what I think that puts in perspective? You know, it's not the Stanley Cup, but for these guys, you don't know when you're going to get to play for a championship mm-hmm. again. It's it's important for them to win this. You get all the way to the finals. You know, you want to finish finish it out the right way, but. Um, you know, Mattel unable to capture a championship, but certainly tip your cap to him and the yeah. type of resilience and toughness to play through that, you know, putting really maybe your life at, uh, on, you know, on the line. So, um, impressive stuff and, you know, congratulations to both teams really to get yeah. that far. Well, they, they were the two best teams all yeah. year, right? I mean, obviously Charlotte league wide, but in the Eastern conference, they were the dominant team and Chicago was the dominant team in the West. So yeah. two teams totally deserving of being there. Uh, I think we both thought it was going to end in six games. It ended up going five. Um, I really thought uh, Chicago would get one more win there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you get, to, you get to game five, which I don't know if you – I watched the end of game five. It was wild. Yeah, it was. I, so, saw, the, I saw the highlights. I did not see it live. Re- real quick to recap. So it's 3-1. Uh, Chicago pulls their goalie with about three minutes left. 14 seconds after pulling their goalie, they score and make it 3-2. Pull the goalie again. Charlotte gets an empty net goal. And then with 30, they pull, obviously keep pulling their goalie. Uh, 38 seconds left. Cody Glass scores to make it 4-3. And then they put it away with about, I don't know, 15 seconds left to make it 5-3. So in a three-minute span, you had a lot of goals scored. Uh, one of them was ended up being the, the game winner by the playoff MVP, Andrew Podolarski. Yeah, we went over it last time. I always uh, mess it up. Podolarski, I believe. Something along those lines. But he had two goals in the game. Uh, and he was the leading scorer in the playoffs all year. He assistant captain for Charlotte, but he played half the playoffs with a broken foot, which came out at the end. So, like, <laughs> an, another guy, like, listen, not only are you playing with a busted up foot, but you led all scorers around the league in points. Like, that's pretty wild. And then they have – you had a guy like Morgan Geeky, who we talked about last time. He had a goal and assist. He was the rookie leader uh, for points around the league. And then Alex Njelkovic – uh, stopped 26 out of 29 shots and really was a staple friend on the back end, top goalie all year. Uh, going through, reading some of the articles and, and the post-game reactions, a lot of praise was given out by uh, their head coach, but the thing that stuck out for me the most is everybody was just like, they, they didn't want to play more games. They were all so tired. They didn't want to play another game. So the, the message going into game five was like, let's just end it and not have to play another game. Because they were all just so tired and worn out. I mean, at this point, you're playing so many games. You're into June. And we play less games than what they do in the NHL. Even, obviously, on the Pacific Division side, we do. But even on the everybody else, they play less games, too. So you can only think about what the grind is for guys like Boston and St. Louis who are dealing with that in the NHL. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a war of attrition. And uh, I saw that, too. The headline kind of the AHL website was essentially – you know, paraphrasing, Charlotte basically limped to a championship. You know, they're, they're just getting past the finish line. But, hey, they got there. And, you know, I had a similar feeling uh, about that Chicago group that I had about Vegas last year. Because, of course, the Knights made it to the finals last year. Incredible story. Mm-hmm. Didn't really want Vegas to win the Stanley Cup yeah. last year. You just didn't feel like this just isn't fair. Yeah. For a Washington team that hadn't won it in their history, you look at a St. Louis team, you got all these teams that have never won even the Sharks, right? Um, So that's what I felt, and that's kind of how I felt this year with Chicago. I mean, I know they're in their second year. The Wolves have been around for a while, but this is a Vegas affiliate making the 
championship yeah, right. round. So um, I think, yeah. uh, you know, congratulations. I, I feel good about Charlotte winning. Yeah, so. I got a couple other notes here. So heading into game five, Charlotte. So I, we talked about the penalty kill for uh, talked about the penalty kill for Charlotte and how dominant they were. But heading into game five, Chicago was one for 12 on the power play. So they, I, I mean, special teams are so important. But to be shut down like that is that makes the game really, really difficult. So credit to Charlotte for doing that. But um, two things that the their head coach spoke about following the game, uh, he praised the front office, which I thought was really cool. I think a lot of times uh, that goes unnoticed where he made it a point where, you know, their front office is just as much as part of this team as the guys on the ice where if they don't sell tickets, there's nobody in the building, the guys don't want to play the game. I, I appreciate seeing that from uh, the head coach, and obviously we've had discussions here. I know all of our, our coaching staff feels that way, but it was cool to see that acknowledged. Uh, but former CUDA, uh, Zach Sortini, Calder Cup champion, uh, he didn't really, he, don't, he didn't play, um, but uh, he, they, they, he got a lot of praise, not only from the head coach, but from players being this, this big brother figure, this veteran presence in their locker room. He really helped, you know, he was kind of the, the glue in the locker room. So uh, happy for him to, to get that. And has he won before? Yeah, he won him back at 07 as well, I believe, with the Hamilton Bulldogs. So it's, I it's I mean, things like that, right? You win, you win way back when. You don't know if that's going to come around again. And with the group that they have, they're very tight-knit. It seems like everybody is you know, really, really close. So, uh, you know, happy for him, obviously. And I think that's the first former member of the Barracuda to win a Calder Cup. So I believe you're right. Yeah. That's Good pretty point. cool. Good nice point. Yeah, congratulations, for Storch. Um, let's move on. We've got one game left in the National Hockey League. Then the season's officially over at all levels. It's so, so sad. It is sad. I don't like it thinking is sad. about this it. It is sad. You know, this is the worst time of year once basketball hockey year is over because – all you got his baseball for the summer. NFL training camp will start in a couple months, but there's the yeah. dog days of summer yeah. in terms of And I of like baseball, but that's... Yeah, it, I, I don't mind baseball, but I, it's just tough when it's the only yeah. sport going on. Yeah. But, hey, it gets us outside. We yeah. don't need to be inside yeah, watching true. TV anyway. That's true. Um, but let's uh, shift our focus quickly on to game number seven um, tonight. It's been a, what a one heck of a series. And you talk yeah. about special teams in the American League. Boston, their power play dominant to start this series. Well, it cooled off a little bit after mm -hmm. that four power play performance, and you saw them fall behind in the series three games to two, but they go into Scott Trade Center in St. Louis. They hand the Blues a loss, force a game number seven. If the Blues come out tonight and win, they'll be the first team in NHL history to win a Stanley Cup with a losing record on home ice. They're six and seven. I think they're 10 and two on the road, so they've been yeah, dominating they, they have to win, road they, it, they performer. Three road wins, which hasn't happened in a while in the Stanley Cup Finals, I believe. So. That's a, yeah, incredible. Three road wins. Um, so we'll see. I think tonight's going to be interesting, right? If you're a Boston fan, you've got to think you're in a good spot, you're coming up a win, you're going back home. If you're St. Louis, the way you've played away from your own barn has been dominant. So and the way that you've bounced back from bounced losses back. Bennington's year. record when coming off a loss, you know, in these playoffs is stellar. Um, I don't even know if I want to ask for the prediction. I know. <laughs> well, I said Bruins in five. five so. So, so. And then I said Bruins in six. And now I've said Bruins in seven. So I, I – Special teams has been huge. I mean, the, the, the reason the Bruins haven't lost a series already is because their penalty kill has been outstanding. You know, obviously the power play can't get going, and five on five they've struggled, but they are stifling on the penalty kill. So um, that's a huge thing to keep an eye on. I also saw there's that Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand line, and when they score, 
the, the Bruins have won. Like, if they can, if St. Louis keeps them off the score sheet, it makes it a much, much more open game. Uh, I still think Boston's the better team. If, if the Bruins just play the game that they've played all year, St. Louis shouldn't be able to really stick with them and compete. But it's game seven, right? You never know what's going to happen. So, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think you definitely have to look at the goaltending matchup. Both these goalies have been tremendous. Stanker Rask has played out of his mind this yeah. entire postseason. I mean, same really be said for Jordan Bennington since he took the reins over back in in January. But um, both teams getting some guys back in the lineup too. I know St. Louis is uh, uh, Robert Thomas is out, Portuzo's out, Edmondson is back in, and uh, Barbashev is in. So they're kind of getting back to some skill as opposed to having some of their bigger, beefy guys in there. And then for the Bruins, uh, Connor Clifton's out today after playing majority of the playoffs. And uh, Matt Grizzlick is going to be back in after coming back from that concussion uh, that he had a couple early on in the series. So, um, yeah, it'll yeah. be. I mean, really, you go to a game seven, it's anybody's game, even though even though Boston's at it's home. It's what you play for, though, right? It's home hey, ice. That's what you want. They're going to put you, it that's out, what you all want. out there. So, I mean, it should be epic. Um, I saw something uh, Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, yesterday was like leaving morning skate, and he ripped uh, the the Bruins like like a uh, bowl game basically, and told him like make sure the ice is ready or complain about the ice or something. He was like ripping him for it, and that guy responded back and said, "Who peed in your Cheerios?" Yeah, <laughs> <So>, like <laughs> it, there has been a lot of talk about a lot of talk um, about the just ice. the ice, and the, yeah. even in St. Louis, but predominantly in Boston. Um, I mean, we're seeing it in California. But you know what? That ha- that happens, and it's it, that happens everywhere. Well, this time of year, is, it happens everywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at, unless you're playing in Antarctica. This, it, it's the ice quality is not going to be great because there's so many people coming in the building. You got body heat. All the doors are opening. It's 85, 95 degrees outside wherever you're playing. It's going to happen. Yeah. There, it's just you know, you just got to kind of play through. These guys are professionals. I understand the the puck may not sit smooth every time you you pass and it might jump over your stick every now and then but like at the end of the day be a professional both and make the play both teams have to play with so. it and it is what it is but it was a, that was a funny exchange i saw yeah. that online yeah. as well so hey there's some jabs co- coming from both sides it's been an extremely intense series really physical um, i think both sides have arguments and some calls and no calls that have went down yeah. I mean, that's what happens during this time. You're going to try to get everything you yeah. can in when that guys aren't looking. You know, yeah. um, you're going to try to physically kind of outwill your opponent. I mean, that's par for the course. And I'd rather have the referees. I don't want players to be put in danger, but I'd rather have the referees let it play out in the hands of the players, sure. right? Um, you know, we can get into the player's safety another time, but there's been some suspension. I think that uh, maybe they didn't suspend guys earlier. And, you know, a couple of no calls. I mean, things no, it, things happen. Hey, it, happens. It's, it happens. It happens. Games moving quick. Um, there's no perfection in it. That's for sure. I saw but Pat, it's been I fun. saw Patrick Maroon. It might have been yesterday, or maybe it was this morning after morning skate. He was like, he's talking to the media, and he goes, "I'm pretty sure you're all rooting against us, anyways. So it's not going to matter." Here's my question: Can you really play the underdog card when you're going against a, a team that belongs with City that wins all the time? Do you think people are rooting against St. Louis because they want Boston to win? Boston wins all the time. I think people would be like, absolutely not. We don't, we don't want them to win. If you're picking a side, I think everybody's going to pick St. Louis here, no? Well, I think, you know, Maroon making that comment maybe is a little bit like uh, Barube talking about the officials, I think, after game three or, or whatever it was. 
you can get into the officials' heads because they're on the human. You can get in the media's heads as well. So, I, guess, I mean, yeah. you get in the fans' heads. So, I think they're playing a little bit of gamesmanship there. But And another thing I want to hit on, how about the St. Louis Dispatch putting out the congratulatory Stanley Cup champions message for the Blues prior to game six? That is <laughs> unbelievable. You can't do that. That's a huge jinx. And you then, can't congratulate them for winning the cup yeah, before it happens. Yeah. Yeah, guys, John Hamm, St. Louis Blues super fan, Jeez. shaves his playoff beard. Like, some of these things, I don't but know. I'm, I'm also, a superstitious I, guy. I come from the opposite because I have always, when I was younger, I think I was superstitious. You have a blackout walk in front of you. You walk under, you know. Yeah, um, sure, the ladder. A ladder, whatever. Break a mirror. Now I'm like, no, I'm just not going to let myself get sucked into that. So maybe that was what John Hamm was thinking. I don't think John Hamm's filming a movie or show anything right now. Why you would have know. to shave? I, I couldn't but tell you. That's that's what I would think yeah. would be on there. And someone I saw somebody tweeted something out. Con- they were like, "Oh, Conor McGregor shaved his beard." Like he's not a Bruins fan. That was a PR stunt. <laughs> so like nobody cares. Well, both teams. It doesn't matter, right? You throw the you throw everything out out the window and you just play one game. So I think both teams will take it. You're playing one game to win a Stanley Cup. So it did should be a heck of a game. Did you see the the, heck of a series. the Barstool Sports? thing where uh they sent something out or put out a post basically they're like oh the somebody in st louis created a website that's uh the blues won the cup.com and they're selling like like we yeah, won the I cup merch <laughs> it was cr- it was created by like the barstool guy to, like just stir up like goodness controversy <laughs> and, and hopefully cause a problem so i thought that was kind of yeah funny that is too. pretty but, funny um yeah i'm excited to watch the game and and, and see what happens obviously my my pick is is Boston, but I couldn't tell you what the score is going to be or anything like that. But I do think that they're the better team, and um, they seem to be healthy for the most part. So, I don't know. Yeah, It'll we'll see. Fun. Game seven, it's been pretty evenly matched. It's been one heck of a series. I got St. Louis. Um, I think I picked St. Louis at the start. I don't know. if It's just a magical run they're on. So, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to what's ahead for the Sharks or for the Barracudas. So, yeah. it was announced just uh, the other day. Um, Development camp will start right after the NHL draft. Um, we talked about it a little bit. Instead of waiting a week, they're going to do it pretty much right away, right after that weekend. Um, and then the prospect scrimmage is scheduled for June 28th. 28th. At PSA yeah, Peace Friday, Center at 7, 7 o'clock. Um, start for that one. It's free if you're a 365 member or a Barracuda season ticket holder. And then there's also a family pack. Um, yeah. I think it's there. They might be $10 tickets, but the family pack, you can get four for 20 bucks. Four for 20 So. Um, Free parking, mm-hmm. so I mean, there's no real excuse to not come out in the way that the temperatures and the weather has been. As come of late. cool down. Come into an ice rink, um, enjoy a little bit of summer hockey, and see some of the top prospects for the Sharks. Some guys we'll see next year with the Barracuda. Some guys have already spent time with the Barracuda, and some guys you won't see for a couple years. And even some guys as we've seen in the past, and I've seen over my first three years, guys that uh, sign contracts at a development camp. Mm-hmm. They're invited. The Sharks like them enough to invite them. They like the way they play during that week, and they offer them a contract. So that stuff always seems to come uh, out of it as well so um, should be a, a lot of fun um, development camp will start again right after the draft the draft is uh, the 21st and 22nd um, the Sharks don't have a lot in the in the NHL draft this year of course uh, with all the trades they've made over the last few years they won't have a first rounder they won't have a second rounder they won't have a fourth or won't have a uh, or second rounder they had they did have one um, of that course. went with that was in the Nyquist trade. The Nyquist no? trade, yep, exactly right. They will have a third, they will have a fifth, they will have a sixth, they will have a seventh. So um, they don't have a first because of the Vander Kane trade a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Um, 
there's a lot of nuances with all these picks going out yeah. the door. But um, sharks aren't going to have a, a a lot of high picks for a, mm-hmm. for a few years now. And but you know what? That's not the end of the world because when you look at some of the guys the sharks have picked over the past couple of years, a lot of them have been late round finds. Yeah, yeah. Chakovich and Shemilevsky. But Kevin even Bank, look, guys like Kevin guy Bank, Joe right Pavelski is a guy like that. I mean, yep. there's a lot of guys who've been late round picks who have, you know, found their stride here in this organization. And again, a lot of the guys too have been undrafted guys, guys who are playing overseas, guys who just get overlooked in the draft. I'm sure that if you were to, you know, sit in on Doug Wilson's office or Joe Will's, you know, office, they've got a list of guys who they could see potentially not getting drafted, but guys that they know they want to come into dev camp or they want to sign a contract. So um, it's a, the draft's always, you know, it's a, it's an interesting game because you got to plot guys and you got to figure out who to take at the right time. You don't want to reach too far, but you don't want to wait too long and have somebody that you were eyeing, you know, disappear and fall off the board. Yep. So uh, draft's always interesting. We'll yeah, it see, is. You know, see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's different than other sports in the sense that, you aren't seeing these guys right away. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's kind of a down the line thing, much like baseball, uh, NBA, and football. They're more that too, and and these guys don't have the same like obviously football, you get college football and college basketball. There's a lot more exposure for those guys coming into the draft. I mean, aside from really the top two picks with Hughes and and Kako from Finland, you don't know a ton about a lot of these guys uh, coming into the draft. So it's once they become a part of your organization, you have those guys and you have their rights. It's you, then that's when you really start to follow, and that's what Dev Camp is great for, because then you can see those guys and really get to know them, and hopefully, see those guys start here with the Cuda and then jump up to the Sharks. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a fun little precursor to what's to come. Um, going at training camp, these guys will go back after develop camp, back to you know wherever they're from. Mm-hmm. They'll continue training for the summer, and then be back here in September for uh, for training camp. So. Um, yeah, I always enjoy development camp. Kind of gives you something in the middle of the summer. Gives a little bit of content. Yep. Gives you an opportunity to look at the the draft picks that will come in um, as well. So um, always a fun week. And you mentioned um, just kind of deciphering on guys to pick and such. Two years ago, Yosef Kornosh, the guy they thought about drafting, mm-hmm. they opted not to, but they liked him a lot. They signed him as a free agent. So mm-hmm. out of um, basically came to Dev Camp. And came to Dev Camp exactly. Just to kind of like yep make sure it's somebody like they wanted. Yep. yep. He's that guy. Keith Middleton was one of those guys last year. I mean, there's guys like that come through all the time. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, next time we talk, it'll be in the middle of Dev Camp. So yep. we'll kind of break down the roster and and who you could see on the Barracuda, and we can talk about the draft picks too, and kind of see where everybody's at. So it'll be it'll be cool. It will be cool. I always enjoy that. So um, anything else from you, Joe? We, again, we got Game Seven tonight. American Hockey League's done. Uh, the ECHL is done. Um, NHL one game yeah. for for the ultimate prize, so it should be should be some fun. We'll have a Stanley Cup champion the next time we talk to you in a couple weeks. So yeah, um, some stuff on, on tap. So again, a reminder: prospect scrimmage. It's June twenty eighth, seven o'clock, SAP Center. Um, if you are not a three sixty five member or a Barracuda season ticket holder, you should be. But if you aren't, ten dollars tickets, free parking. Um, way to get inside. What else are you going to do bit. on a Friday night in the middle of the summer? Exactly. Come watch some hockey. Exactly. Exactly. So um, for now, uh, we'll say so long. We'll talk to you guys all in a couple weeks. See you. See you.